The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. If you are caring for a person with autism... Great information from a trusted source can be a lifeline. Welcome to Autism Spectrum Radio. We are here to have the conversations that will help you create success for the extraordinary individual with autism in your life. Now, here is your host, Rob Haupt. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Autism Spectrum Radio. I'm your host, Rob Haupt. Uh, I am the Vice President of Business Development at Autism Spectrum Therapies, or AST, and we're an agency that provides therapies to kids all across the spectrum, all different ages, all different functioning levels, all across the country. Um, I'm also a board-certified behavior analyst, working with kids uh, and adults on the spectrum for about a dozen years now, um, actually almost getting close to my 10-year my here in Los Angeles, which is, uh, which is pretty crazy, pretty astonishing to, uh, to be uh, less than half a year away. Um, more importantly today, I was kind of looking at the calendar and realizing that today is actually my, my one-year anniversary uh, talking to you, hosting this show. Um, and I'm just, you know, I've, I know I've been mentioning it in the last few weeks that it's been coming up and coming up. And it's, I don't know, it's a really important milestone. It's something that's been really uh, special to me. Um, when, I, when I was asked to start hosting the show, um, it was something that I... I I didn't really think was going to go for a full year. I figured people would get pretty tired of me pretty fast and um, that this wasn't really something more than maybe a three-month um, commitment. And I really, I found myself very quickly really enjoying it. Once I got the, the initial jitters of, of speaking to all of you uh, live each week and, and kind of figuring out what shows should be about and what to talk about once... Once we got about a month in, those jitters kind of went away, and it, and it became just more of a, uh, a conversation, a dialogue. It, it didn't feel like we were doing interviews each week. It just became really a lot easier and so much more fun. And now I just kind of feel like, you know, looking back, it's like I thought it was going to be a three-month commitment, and, and this year has just flown by. I, I can't believe that we're, we're already here. And I'm just really excited about what we've done. Um, you know, coming into this, I'm I'm a board, I'm a BCBA. I'm a I'm a board certified behavior analyst, and um, you know, it's this dilemma of I have a very definitive, defined philosophy. I I have an approach that I've been extensively trained in, and you know, one of the things I like about ABA applied behavior analysis is the I, I like that it's a science. I like that it's it, it really comes into a way of life. You know, I look at it as how human beings behave, why we behave, um, and, and I really get into all of that scientific aspect of it. But it, it really shapes the way I look at the world. And I was very nervous about you know how do we do a show that's not just ABA because it's great that I believe in ABA, but 
I'm sure all of you out there have other things that have shaped your way. Um, they've shaped your beliefs. They've shaped what it is that you seek out for your child. And I'm also realistic of the world to say not ABA is not the only thing. It's, it's, we've got the research behind it. I've read the research. I've seen the studies. But then I've seen that kid who has been on the right diet that has made all the difference in the world. I've seen that kid who through intensive occupational therapy is able to accomplish things that there was no way for them to be able to do before. And, and then countless other types of things. So how do I create that balance? And that's the thing that I think I'm, I'm most proud of and, and what I want to do more in this coming year is continue to bring those different opinions, even the ones that I don't necessarily automatically agree with. Um, we've had some people out here talking a little bit about floor time and talking about RDI, like we just talked about last week. And it's a different philosophy. We have disagreements in what to do. But it's really interesting to listen to a guy like Paul who he's living it. These are his behaviors. These are his experiences. This is him going through an RDI program and getting something really great out of that. And we can learn so much from that conversation. I don't want my biases to limit what everyone else gets. And that's something I really want us to continue to do in the coming years, talk to more and more people from more and more different perspectives and understand. I think if we understand what they do, why they do it, how they do it, again, it gives us a better opportunity to figure out what's right for each one of us. Um, because I always believed in individualization. I always believed in individual fit of therapies, but I'm, I'm believing it more and more. Um, as kind of uh, a mantra after this last year of hearing some of these stories, um, whether it be you guys writing in to contests, um, your emails or your phone calls when we've done the, the mailbag shows, um, people talking about their own personal experiences, whether professionals or parents or, or individuals themselves, it just it feels more and more like we need to get to that individualization. And hopefully the research captures up to us to figure out how can we maybe make some connections earlier as to what's the right fit for the right type of person? Because I'm sure there's some research that can help guide us and all of that. So I want to thank you guys for, for sticking with me this last year, uh, coming on the journey with me, and uh, invite you to, to go down this path for another year with me as we, we kind of continue to explore all that's really out there and, and have these conversations. I figured, you know, it's, it's the beginning of the school year. Um, I'm still a little thrown off. Kids are already going back to school. But I, growing up, I never went back to school until after Labor Day. So it doesn't quite feel like uh, school started yet. But the reality is, for a lot of you guys out there, it, it has or it is. So I figured let's talk to someone from, from a school perspective. Um, and I really wanted to talk a little bit about special education and school. So today, I'm joined by Dr. Cynthia Golden. Um, and she's an author, editor, speaker, and the assistant director, principal, and psychologist of a program serving students with severe emotional and behavioral needs. She supervised the autism and EBD programs in a metro Atlanta school system. During her 31 years in special education, she was twice elected teacher of the year and has worked as a psychologist in a system and center that serves students with severe emotional and behavioral disabilities intellectual disabilities, and autism. Dr. Golden has a degree in special ed, master's and specialist degrees in school psychology, certificate in educational leadership, and a specialist degree and doctorate in inclusive education. 
she's the, also the author of the Special Educators Toolkit and a contributor to Understanding Children with Autism Spectrum Disorders. Dr. Golden is the editor of the Special Needs Resource Magazine and the creator of Educator Essentials. On top of all of this, she's also a speaker who speaks at conferences and provides trainings to educators across the country. Uh, Dr. Golden, welcome to the show. Well, thank you. It's, it's wonderful to be here. I have all these different types of questions. You know, I've got like back to school things in my head, and then I've got special education things in my head. And I figured wow. let's going to start with the special ed piece. Okay. Um, I, you know, when I started, I started working with kids with autism. Special ed felt like a really broad, all-encompassing thing. And over the years, I feel like my perception is it can be a lot of different things depending on where you go. And I know something you've talked a lot about um, through your experiences and in some of your trainings is kind of like what makes for a good model special ed program. And I was hoping we could start there is like from your experiences, what really are like the critical pillars to a model special ed program and, and, and someone creating one? Well, I, you know, uh, when I wrote the Special Educator Toolkit, I, I had uh, a great deal of experience in a lot of different types of special ed classrooms. From the veteran teacher who had been there for 25 years to the, uh, the green person coming right out of a college classroom, all of them were trying to put the research into play in coming up with a model program, making sure that it was research-based, which is extremely mm-hmm. important to me. So what I did is I went through the research and I kind of came up with six different areas to where uh, the classroom teacher, if they worked and they met all the criteria for each of these areas, when they Mm -hmm. look back at the end, they would have pretty much a model classroom, uh, making sure not to forget anything like data. I'm a big data person. Mm-hmm. Data is extremely important, yeah. uh, and I know you do too. Uh, yeah. the teaching methods and materials, making sure that those are correct and individualized, differentiated for those students. Communication between the home and the uh, the, uh, the other staff members in the school, and uh, coming up with a communication uh, method for each of the students. Even the um, the antecedent-based uh, interventions in the environment, the structure in the environment. So I came up with about six different areas that teachers could do, and if they employed those to the fullest, they would pretty much have a model program. I guess in, in summary, like what are those six well, areas? What we always start with is a schedule. The schedule uh-huh. drives the classroom. In, in terms of um, the schedule for the day, making sure that the students' IP goals and objectives are met, in terms of uh, making sure that they, um, they follow standards-based curriculum, all of these things. So we start with a the schedule. Then we make sure that the environment and the structure for the environment is there. You know, my, my, the, the thing that I tell teachers is you structure the environment to where the students can be independent in maneuvering the space. We don't need to be leading them around. We need to structure it with visual supports, et cetera, so that they can be independent because that's one of the things that I strive to create is an independently functioning classroom. Um, then the next is teaching methods and materials to make sure that all of those are research-based methods and they're all geared to their IEP objectives and also geared to the individual needs of the student. Um, communication method, make sure that the communication, every student has 
a method to which they are able to communicate, whether that be through visual supports, whether that be through a communication device, whether that be through sign, some way that those students have to communicate their wants and needs. And then behavioral systems. Is, is there enough reinforcement? Is there a, has a motivation assessment been completed? So are those students understanding um, and reinforced for what they're doing uh, that is appropriate in the classroom? And then data, and then the special ed word that burns everybody out is paperwork. Data and paperwork. So make sure that you are taking data on not only IEP goals and objectives, but also the behavioral needs. Uh, and behavioral issues in the classroom because I am a, a ABA person too. I want that data to drive what I do. Analyze that data. Go back and change what you're doing if the data shows no progress. And then also staff and home supports. A lot of times in the classroom there are several staff members. You need to work together as a team, parents being part of that. So it's very important to have strong staff support and strong communication and home support. Make sure that you're assisting the parents at home in uh, providing any kind of support that they need. Fabulous. Well, I want to. You actually touched upon what my next question for you is going to be, but I want to. I want to go to a commercial break first. So we're going to take a commercial break and then come back uh, with more with Dr. Cindy Golden. We'll be right back, everyone. Opinions, options, answers. Voice America Health and Wellness. Autism Spectrum Therapies is proud to present Autism Spectrum Radio. At AST, we see a world where people with autism dream and achieve their full potential. Our promise is to support families through our extensive resources, highly trained staff, and outstanding programs. Call us today and let us know how we can best support your family at 866-278-1520. To find out more about AST, visit our website at www.autismtherapies.com. Connect with us on Facebook and Twitter. Autism Spectrum Therapies, supporting extraordinary individuals and their families. Visit autismtherapies.com or call 866-278-1520. Step into the doorway to conscious choice, greater health, and well-being. Attain the balance that you've been seeking. Tune in and turn on 1111 Talk Radio. Feed the mind. Embrace positively. Release the tension. Step out of fear. Host Simran Singh will help you broaden your mind and open your heart toward a greater understanding of how to take charge of your life. 1111 Talk Radio is here every Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific Time on 7th Wave Network. 1111 Talk Radio, because shift happens. These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness.
This is Autism Spectrum Radio. If you have a question or comment for our host, Rob, or the guest, please send an email to moreinfo at autismtherapies.com. That's moreinfo at autismtherapies.com. Now, back to the program. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Autism Spectrum Radio. Uh, I'm joined today by Dr. Cindy Golden. Um, you know, as you were going through the, the different components to a model classroom, you kind of touched upon it in a way. I, I couldn't help but hear a lot of just ABA in there. Right, um, right. And I know that, you know, special education programs are typically, they're not one thing. They, they, kind, of, um, they kind of embody or embed a, a few different types of philosophies in there. Um, so I was curious, is, was the, is that ABA by design is a coincidence? And if it's by design, like where did that come from um, in, in you kind of coming with these different components? Well, uh, being a veteran, being, you know, in the trenches for 31 years, um, I know what works. Um, I've, you know, getting a doctorate and my focus being in autism, um, mm-hmm. I, you know, I've done the research and I, I just know what works. Mm-hmm. So it was not by design. I did not set set forth at the very beginning looking to create an ABA program, but I, I just know what works. That data... Um, you know, the structure to the ABA program, the antecedent-based, all of those mm-hmm. kind of interventions, the, yeah. all of that works. But in the school system, you also, it is an eclectic approach because in real life, in the school, you also have the standards-based uh, assessments that you have to do. You have the IEPs that you have to do. It's, it's much different than a private practice. Right. But we do try to employ as many of those ABA uh, principles because they work. And that's what I was kind of curious about is, you know, I, I always find it really interesting. One thing I've spent a lot of time doing is training people in schools. I've worked with a lot of teachers. I lot, I've worked with a lot of paraprofessional staff. And it's always, um, it's always really exciting for me when I see them implement a program right. inside and out perfectly, like every bit as well as, as I do myself. Right. And I, I wonder, you know, hearing the way you design this classroom, I'm thinking – Yep, I do that. Yep, I do that. Yeah. Yep, I do that. And so is there, I guess, I know every kid is different, and I talk a lot about individualization, but like I almost get the feeling like if you set up a classroom from the get-go with good ABA foundation or just best practices of teaching and managing behaviors, as you described it, does every kid in special ed, you know, we hear a lot about, okay, we need this intensive one-to-one. Does this allow you to kind of maybe tailor the IEP or services a little bit more to each kid because you've got this um, broader foundation of ABA strategies. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And these are things that you can also use in a typical classroom. I have Mm. uh, certainly consulted in a typical uh, and inclusive environment um, to where you can take these same foundations and there may be a couple of students with, uh, you know, on the spectrum in that classroom and the, the regular education teacher in the inclusive environment can make sure that at least some part of each one of these um, is completed so that those students' needs are met in that inclusive environment. It does not have to be uh, a self-contained, you know, classroom set aside, uh, but it can be, these, these same principles can be used, you know, regardless of the setting. And also in the home, you know, they can make sure, sure. that the, the environment is 
uh, structure to make sure that there is a method within the home to communicate the students' wants or the student to communicate their wants and needs. Make sure that uh, when you're teaching independence and functional skills in the home that you have mm-hmm. appropriate materials and things like that. And they're motivated. Um, you know, and an assessment um, has been done, you know, to determine what does motivate them at home. Do you guys find that this facilitates good interaction between not just parent and teacher, but, um, you know, I, I work with a lot of kids who we do home program, we set up some similar things. Is it easier to then take maybe a, a home ABA program and then create that collaborative environment? Yes, absolutely. Or does sometimes that lead to stickiness? Right, absolutely it is. And a lot of times when they do have that home and uh, ABA program, those people will certainly participate in the IEP Mm -hmm. so that we're talking the same language. It is so so important that consistency be um, structured for those kids, not only, you know, in the home, but also Mm -hmm. in their private therapies and in the school. That, that's really important. And we, I've also gone out into the home to, um, to structure a functional uh, program. The student, you know, maybe the child may be having difficulty, you know, at bedtime, coming up with a routine. Or in the morning time, you know, the parent's trying to get up and get dressed and get the child dressed. And they, the student may just need um, some, some more structure to that time so um, they can be more independent. And that's, that's my big thing is to help these students become as mm-hmm. independent as possible. Yeah, no, that, ma- that makes perfect sense. Right. And, I mean, that's, that's really what every parent wants, too, it when sure you get is. down to the, like, what are your hopes and dreams? You know, I know when you, uh, when you sit down at that triannual IEP, that's mm-hmm. one of the t- top two, three questions you ask at the top of every parent is, what are your hopes for the next couple of years? And I feel like I hear that more often than anything. Right. Because I want independence. And, you know, I'm a big proponent of a student-driven IEP. Even the students, especially the students who are uh, functioning at a higher level and the students with Asperger and um, the, the students with uh, uh, nonverbal learning disability, you know, all of those, those higher-functioning kinds of things, they are an integral part of that IEP. Even very young, they need to know what their disability encompasses and so they can self-advocate because, you know, it does take years and years to understand it, to process what, you know, about themselves and then to determine what they do need and then their hopes and dreams. When you said that, it's their hopes and dreams too. So I'm Mm -hmm. a a big proponent of those student-led IEPs. You know, going back to the, the core components of everything, to me they make perfect sense. You know, again, I'm coming out from my ABA point of view. Schedules, love it. Uh Environment, that's my world. Right. Um, I love you talking about communication um, and the behavior systems. Do you ever get, you know, one of my first instincts, though, is if you really drill down into some of these things, does something get lost? Do you ever get that feedback that, well, but I can't focus in on this or I can't focus in on that or how can I work on maybe social skills, something that we didn't touch upon here within these systems. Is that ever feedback you get? Yes, and and social skills are a big part of it. That comes in with the teaching methods and materials, social skills, functional skills, vocational skills, in addition to the academic skills. I know that when I walk into a classroom, I want some part of that day to be direct teaching of social skills, Um, not only Mm -hmm. uh, just from 
um, when time, you know, allows that during the day and when things happen, but direct teaching of social skills using the so Carol Gray social stories and things, you know, all types of things. Mm-hmm. But the social skills are an integral part, but also the functional skills, the daily routines, that's also important. Um, and also vocational skills. We need to start teaching the vocational skills as part of the third layer, which is teaching methods and materials. It's not just reading, writing, and arithmetic. It's mm. all of the life skills that these kids are going to need when they get out into the real world because that's our goal. So hopefully yeah. nothing yeah. is going to get left by the wayside. I'm hoping that within that area, that's what I teach when I train. Uh-huh. Um, everything needs to be and it needs to be individualized and in what uh, each student you know, is going to require. I got to feel like, you know, kind of putting on, I, I kind of want to be the negative Nilly for a second. Like, uh-huh. this sounds like amazing. It sounds like a program that is structured, is organized. You know, there's plans that come into place. Um, but I got to assume after 31 years, after training and teaching, you've got to get that feedback either from a teacher saying, I don't have time to do all this or I don't yeah. have the resources to do this. Absolutely. Or, you get parents saying, my teacher doesn't do any of that. Right. I, so, get, I get all of that. <laughs> so so what, what kind of, I mean, what is, I'm assuming we've got both listeners in, in, with us today. Like, what, what kind of things do you do to try and keep them motivated if they're walking into something like that? Well, when I do a training, uh, I, I can come at it. Um, I never like for somebody to do a training if they have not walked in my shoes. I've been there with the the 16 EBD boys out in the trailer by myself with no other staff. I've (laughs) been there. Uh, I've taught middle school, and I always say if you can teach middle school, you know you can teach anything. Um, You know, I've been there, and I know uh, all of the the people that are pulling at you. You've got the State Department of Education, you know, all in the different states, you know, saying that you need certain requirements. You've got the IEPs. You've got the, uh, the lesson plans required by the administration. I'm in administration, and I know what I, I, am, you know, I have to require. So when I do a training, I, I tell the teachers, do not get overwhelmed. This is a model, and that's what you are shooting for. You have to have a model mm-hmm. to shoot for. Otherwise, you stray. What I want them to mm-hmm. walk away with and what I always tell them, take two things. Two things only. Do not go out of here trying to do every single one of them. But if you can take two things in one area and start there, take the entire year, work step by step, get that environment set, get that environment structured, but only take a couple of things that you're going to work on. When you get that done, you layer on top of it. This is a layered approach. Like I I go in and uh, tell them you cannot all of a sudden start making data sheets and all of this, if you have not got your environment structured, it, it, things have right. to come in layers. So I tell the teachers not to fret, just to take two things, if they can work on that and get that to mastery, just like an IEP, get that to right. mastery, we can build on it. Great. Well, we've got another commercial break. So we're going to take another commercial break and then talk more with uh, Dr. Cindy Golden. We'll be right back. Learn more. Live better. Voice America Health and Wellness. 
Autism Spectrum Therapies is proud to present Autism Spectrum Radio. At AST, we see a world where people with autism dream and achieve their full potential. Our promise is to support families through our extensive resources, highly trained staff, and outstanding programs. Call us today and let us know how we can best support your family at 866-278-1520. To find out more about AST, visit our website at www.autismtherapies.com. Connect with us on Facebook and Twitter. Autism Spectrum Therapies, supporting extraordinary individuals and their families. Visit autismtherapies.com or call 866-278-1520. These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. Your life. Your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. This is Autism Spectrum Radio. If you have a question or comment for our host, Rob, or the guest, please send an email to moreinfo at autismtherapies.com. That's moreinfo at autismtherapies.com. Now, back to the program. Hey, welcome back to Autism Spectrum Radio, everybody. Uh, Talking about special education and uh, really how a special ed classroom should ideally, pure form, be structured. Um, You know, we're talking today with Dr. Cindy Golden, and I I really like this model, this framework conversation. I was hoping also to kind of jump into maybe some, some common things that I feel like I hear from parents and maybe drawing from some of your experiences and uh, some of the things that maybe you kind of tell teachers that maybe go along with, with these kind of current events for, for parents out there. Right. Um, and I was thinking maybe we start off with the basic one. You know, school's coming back. Do you, do you ever talk to parents and, and talk to them about, like, how to prepare their child to return to school um, after a long summer break? Yeah, that's difficult, uh, especially our students with autism when they get so ingrained in the structure at home and it is different. And we always have those two weeks at the beginning of the year. We here in Georgia have already started back, and we've been in school for a couple of a couple of weeks already. And it's different. Wow. We're yes, and we're just now seeing the students uh, kind of settle down just a bit and get back in that routine. It's it's important throughout that summertime to keep some kind of structure going. Mm-hmm. Um, and especially as it nears uh, the go back to school, you know, get up at 6 a.m., let's get dressed, um, it, it's real important, just like it is with a typical child, to ease them back into that structure. You can do that uh, without them even knowing it, and something, you know, not a great change, but to ease them back into that structure, that would be typical for a school day. That's important. Um, also, just... Uh, just the teaching and the requirements of the student during the day, if, if they don't have any requirements, if they're um, lucky enough to, you know, get to stay home, um, mm. they're going to have to have some sort of uh, a work task or something as it gets closer to the time to where they're going to be working six hours a day in the school setting. 
Yeah. Just to build that stamina back up, not only the structure of the schedule, but also just that work stamina, that's going to be important. Do you, you mentioned something that kind of made me think that maybe this is part of what you do. You know, you said you, you're about two weeks into the school year right now with, your, with the right. kids. Um, right. Do you find that your expectations for those two weeks are different? And are you maybe emphasizing different aspects of the model that we talked about before, like, are you, is there a greater degree of emphasis on, let's say, schedule and environment versus teaching methods in those first two weeks? Or is it maybe all about behavior systems and schedule and environment and teaching methods come in maybe week three and four? Do you, do you find any kind of um, differences or shifts in what you guys emphasize in those first weeks as the children get readjusted to a, a school routine? Absolutely, absolutely we do. The academics are not the first thing that we focus on and jump right in the first couple of weeks. I mean, we certainly do the mm-hmm. academics, but that is not a main focus. The kids have got to get back to that structure. They've got to to get back um, to the expectations behaviorally of what's expected um, to get their stamina back up, uh, to get the communication mm-hmm. back up, the social skills back up, intermingling mm-hmm. with the with the other students and the other staff and the school as a whole, maybe relearning. Maybe their room has changed um, within the classroom. Maybe their room in the building has changed because they've moved up a grade. Yeah. All of mm-hmm. that's real important, but we need to get to those academics as quickly as possible. But there, are, as we all know, there are other things to teach besides just the reading, writing. You know, it's the basic yeah. living, those kind of things. It's real important to get them acclimated before we jump you know, with both feet into the reading, writing, and arithmetic. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure that puts stress on IEP goals sometimes to say, okay, we've got to, do, we got to take a couple steps backwards before we can really target. And, you know, having been in classrooms as well, there's a lot of pressure to get those IEP goals going because Absolutely. that's well, what you're going to be graded on at the end of the year. Right. That baseline, that baseline date at the beginning of the year, we always see it, you know, and you can tell when mm-hmm. you take that baseline uh, with the IEP goals and objectives. Uh, as you should be, you know, all along, um, you're going to see some blips, you know, right there at the beginning of the year. Yeah. But that's to be, you know, like a good um, behavioral, you know, data person, yeah. you know, that, that's to be expected. Yeah, yeah. One of the things that I, I get, I, I feel like I haven't gotten asked as much recently, but I used to get asked all the time when I was spending a lot of time working with the, the local schools. A lot of parents would come to me and say, I'm really stressed out. My child's moving up a grade. Like you said, not just are they moving to a new room, but maybe they're going to a new room, a new teacher, at a new school, um, a different level type of classroom. They're going through some sort of transition. And oftentimes, at least here in in Southern California, a lot of my parents have been said, have been told, we have two classrooms you can go tour, or you can go tour three classrooms, particularly in these larger, some of the larger districts. Right. Do you have any advice for parents who are getting an opportunity to maybe see a classroom for the very first time that their child is going to go into, who maybe has the opportunity to ask some questions, determine fit? Like, What kind of questions or what kind of things um, do you ever recommend a parent look for or, or ask in that type of situation? 
Well, you know, when I go into a classroom in different schools, um, and I, as I have throughout the, the years, not being a parent, but I can view it mm-hmm. through the parent's eyes, I look for these same sort awesome. of things. When I walk into a classroom, I immediately look for structure. And being mm-hmm. uh, the, the the environment person, I always have mm-hmm. a little checklist. And, you know, is the room structured? Are the students maneuvering the space independently, or are they... Uh, being led around by the the teacher or the staff that that's a red mm-hmm. flag for me. Um, are the students interacting? Do the students uh, appear uh, settled in their routine so that I know that it's not just uh, when I walk in things are changed? You know, this mm-hmm. is something that they've been doing. Those are things that I really look for. I also look for in a classroom if there is data being taken. Um, if there's behavioral issues, um, you know, or is there data being taken? And that's one of the questions that, you know, I would certainly ask uh, a staff member if I were a parent going in. And I certainly ask that as an administrator. Uh, also, um, is uh, there a good communication line between the parents and the staff? Or uh, mm-hmm. you know, daily, it can be daily. Some The older ones may not need that. But also the teaching materials, or is there a variety happening in that classroom? Are the students on computers mm-hmm. all day, or, or do they have centers? Do they have some good discrete trial going on? Do they have some uh, some natural environment teaching going on? Mm-hmm. Is there, or are there a variety of different ways that they're uh, uh, teaching the students? So those are kind of red flags for me when I walk in, and that certainly would be for a parent. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. The point you made that I've been stuck on for the last kind of minute or so is looking at the environment. Is the teacher leading the children through or is maybe the environment leading the the, the child through? Right. And I, I kind of made the next leap in my head. Well, what if what if the environment is right, but the child maybe isn't? This is the right classroom for the child for where we want them to go, but maybe the child themselves is not quite ready to have the environment lead them. Right, and that happens a lot. The, stu- the student is just not ready for that amount of structure, um, and, and that's important. That's important to know. So if I were to see something like that, if I were an administrator going in observing a classroom or a parent, I would probably query mm-hmm. the, the teacher, you know, at what level, and I could as an administrator, but... Query the teacher, you know, at what level is this child functioning and how long has this structure been in place? Because my, um, you know, my big pet peeve is when the environment is structured, uh, it's not structured so that the students can independently maneuver the space. But that does have to be taught. It has to be taught, and some students take months to even be able to... um, to uh, be able to use a schedule uh, because the schedule is of the classroom is where I usually start. It's certainly not for the staff. Mm-hmm. It's for the entire class, students also. Yeah. But sometimes it takes months for those students to understand that their day runs on that schedule, and that's real important. But you may not see that happen when you first walk in, but that's something mm-hmm. you could query the teacher about. Yeah, and I wonder it's, you know, you, you, you got me kind of, you, you prompted me right to the, my next logical right. thought is kids are at different levels. And, and some of the special ed classrooms I've been in, the, the range of ability levels um, are, are quite vast. And right. sometimes it doesn't seem that vast, but when it comes to independence, it actually might be. Right. So is there, 
are there little accommodations to, you know, the overall structure is good, but the kid who is the most independent or the highest functioning is really thriving, but maybe the kids who are a little bit behind that need a little extra boost. Um, are there types of things that can be embedded in there to maybe help that new kid who has got less practice maybe catch up a bit? You know, the way uh, that we structure the environment, the way I uh, encourage teachers to structure is a three-way uh, uh, visual prompting with color, with the student's photo, and with a word. So if the student oh. is not able to recognize, and some lower-functioning students are not able to recognize that that picture is a picture of you know them. Uh, right. But in, if you do that, they may recognize the color, and many of our students do. They All of the students may be color-coding. I'm a big one for color-coding. Um, color, you know, match the color to a student, but also label that with their photo and also make sure to label it with their name. So the students, as they mm-hmm. recognize their photo, they always see this group of letters next to it. They will, that is teaching them at the upper level, you know, the next level. They will eventually mm-hmm. learn that that, ne- that is their name. So that gets the students who are visually supported by word only. That gets the ones who are, need the color, and then also gets the one where, uh, you know, maybe their photo. Nice. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So that way you've got, you're doing the same thing, but you're presenting it in a few different ways to attract each kid in, in terms of what works for them as a person. Right, right. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Very, very cool. We're right up against another commercial break. So let's take this final break and then come back for our final segment with Dr. Golden. We'll be right back. Helping you make informed decisions for your life. This is Voice America Health and Wellness. Autism Spectrum Therapies is proud to present Autism Spectrum Radio. At AST, we see a world where people with autism dream and achieve their full potential. Our promise is to support families through our extensive resources, highly trained staff, and outstanding programs. Call us today and let us know how we can best support your family at 866-278-1520. To find out more about AST, visit our website at www.autismtherapies.com. Connect with us on Facebook and Twitter. Autism Spectrum Therapies, supporting extraordinary individuals and their families. Visit autismtherapies.com or call 866-278-1520. These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. This is Autism Spectrum Radio. If you have a question or comment for our host, Rob, or the guest, please send an email to moreinfo at autismtherapies.com. That's moreinfo at autismtherapies.com. Now, back to the program. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Autism Spectrum Radio. Uh, we are here. Final segment with Dr. Golden. Um, you know, I, I know 
you've got a bunch of different things you're always working on. Um, but one of the things I was most interested in was you've talked a lot about data. And I know one of the things I always hear is, it's so hard for me to take data. How can I manage all of this? How do I track all of this? Um, and I was really intrigued by something that I know you mentioned as we were kind of organizing the show is something you've, you've been working on uh, called Quick Graphs. And I, I was hoping maybe you could talk a little bit about that because I, if I'm not mistaken, that the intention is to help teachers more effectively take data. Right. Uh, knowing, uh, knowing what teachers go through in the classroom, I, I know it's difficult. But also, I'm not a BCBA, but I understand the concept of data collection. Um, I, I understand the need for that. All teachers are going to have to take data. They're going to have to because that's how they design, that's how they implement programs, that's how they change their programs. So my goal in all of this is to make the hard concepts simple and mm-hmm. create things that teachers can run off, they can print, copy, they can instantly use in their classroom. My big thing in taking data is a bunch of a stack of raw data sheets, a hundred of them, is not going to do anybody any good unless it's graphed, unless there is a visual showing the, the summation of the data. Mm-hmm. When you walk into an IEP meeting or you walk into a parent meeting and you have all of this raw data, that, that will put a dazed uh, look in everybody's eyes. It doesn't mean anything unless it is graphed and there is a visual there to show the progression of data. So these quick graphs are something that teachers do not have to go and put into an Excel program. They don't have to go and graph it on the weekends when they've got 100 data sheets from during the week. When they graph, Mm -hmm. when they take the data, it automatically creates the graph. So when they finish their day-to-day work, they've got the beginnings of their graph. And there are several different, uh, I think Mm. I've got four types of data, the frequency, the duration, you know, time sampling, and the intensity. And what I've geared this for, uh, primarily it can be in special education classrooms, but it can also be for the RTI process. Those students who are having behavioral issues, some sort of behavioral issues, they can, um, the teams can take some data to come up with exactly what time during the day are these issues uh, happening so that we can put appropriate interventions into place so these students may not ever get to special education uh, classrooms. So that is my, my, that's my big project right now. As you said, I've got several projects going on, but this is kind of my baby right now. This really resonates for me. Because one of the most difficult cases I was brought in, a, a school district here brought me in to work with a child with some very severe um, self-injurious behavior. He was, he was biting himself, and he had a long history of doing it um, before they brought me in. And we actually solved the problem. We created a behavior support plan, not based on data I took, but ba- wow. uh, data based on the resource specialist. Really? She took daily data. She graphed it. And we actually realized that the, the, team, the team of people who had been working with this child previously misdiagnosed the function of the behavior, misdiagnosed a couple of things, and we rewrote the, the entire behavior support plan. And I rewrote everything solely based on that, this piece of data oh, that's, that and that's resource wonderful. specialists took for three weeks. Right, and that's wonderful. They know how to do this. 
Of course. It, it is the visual. Once you lay it out in a visual format, you can actually see, and it begins to make sense. And the function of the yeah. behavior is key to those interventions. And people can do it, it this was, in it, the RTI process. Absolutely, because she was able to identify what, what was critical is she not only gave me frequency, she told me what was happening really in each time. So she was able to break it up based on classes and time of day. And we were able to figure out that actually the most strenuous classes, this kid's hardest classes, which everyone thought was the biggest trigger, he actually had no more behaviors there than, let's say, during lunchtime. Right, right. But it was her data that had us figure that out because I, I wasn't there six right. hours a day, but she was. Right. Well, that, it was that, amazing. Yeah, it, it really is amazing. And those stories come up uh, so many times. And that's, it, it's just a way of making all of that um, seemingly hard data collection, data analysis mm-hmm. stuff, make it simple. And these are mm-hmm. things. There'll be a CD in, in the book, and all they got to do is pop it in the computer, print it off, and take this, you know, whenever they need it. So my big mm-hmm. thing is to make things simple for teachers. And honestly, parents could use this too. Parents, if they need, uh, they want to know exactly yeah. what's going on, they can certainly take some frequency data in the home or time uh, mm-hmm. sampling data and determine exactly when, you know, uh, these behaviors are occurring at home. I, I just think at the bare minimum, the final thing you said about the model and about this ideal special ed model is the, that communication between the home and the school. Right. Parents being consistent with school and how much better. I mean, that, that, that's why I wanted to talk about this is with data, I feel like you facilitate that happening. You're all looking at the same thing and you can all look at numbers either improving or getting worse and then talk about it. And to me, it just facilitates that final step of what you were trying to create. It's, it's amazing. It's great. It, right, it does. It does. We're all on the same team and we're all mm-hmm. an integral part of it. And um, I, I think it's, and to have a parent even to bring some data from the home that they're seeing, you know, to an IEP meeting and, yeah. have, you know, all share together. And, and we always project our IEPs up on the wall, uh, you know, so that we're all looking at the data and the graphs and the goals and just everything. And I think it's teamwork. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's, I mean, that's why it's an IEP team. It's, exactly. it's perfect. Exactly. I know you've got a lot of different things going on. Um, I know you've got a few different ways that people can reach you. Um, if people are curious about, you know, these different projects of yours, the different information you've spread, uh, what's the best way to, to kind of keep in touch with you, to find out more about what you're up to, whether it be online or, or so forth? Well, I have, it's a little hard to manage, but I do have uh, three, three websites. Um, I have okay. my special needs resource magazine, uh, snrmag.com. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have, uh, you can certainly email me through that. I have cindygolden.org. Uh, that's kind of my author, uh, my training website. Um, and uh, mm-hmm. several uh, people uh, email me through that. Also, I have a new little creation called Educator Essentials. And these are uh, simple things that, like little e-books, um, and that's educatoressentials.com. And it all goes along with the ABLES, the progress monitoring tool. And they are workbooks. Mm-hmm. Ebooks so that um, uh, teachers can just download them and put simple visuals that uh, or simple manipulatives they found around the house are easily accessible. Instantly create a work box that is um, that's related to the uh, progress monitoring tools. So they are uh, they have the visual supports there. All they do is you know run them off, cut them out, laminate them. 
put them in uh, a workbox. Cool. And they Yeah, so that's, that's kind of cool, too. So they can email me through either um, of those sites. Um, my main email is Cindy at S-N-R-M-A-G, SpecialNeedsResourceMag.com. Okay. Fabulous. Well, Cindy, thank you so much for being on the show today. You are welcome. Really appreciate everything you, you brought today because it was an, uh, just a great show. I feel like I learned a lot, too. Oh, great, great. Well, I very, I very much enjoyed it. Thank you. Um, final two minutes, gang. Um, I hope uh, you guys are having a, a good back to school uh, I, to me, it still seems early, but clearly Atlanta has been in school for two weeks and they're up and running and moving. Um, I do want to pass along two other pieces of information. You know, this is the first kind of education show we've done in a while. We've been focusing on more specialized treatments. But if you are curious about some other aspects of special education, uh, two older shows um, are with Dr. Uh, Robin McWilliam, um, who was talking about early childhood education on our March 19th, 2013 show. And uh, going back to, the, to Dr. Freya days, um, May 29th, 2012, Dr. Phil Strain had a great conversation with Dr. Freya about the LEAP model, um, which is one to definitely go back and revisit as well. Next week, I'm going to be joined by uh, two guests, uh, Dr. Levy and Dr. Uh, Girolami, um, and they're both from the Kennedy Krieger Institute, and we're going to be discussing some feeding programs, something that I, we haven't talked about since we had uh, Dr. Wallace on months ago, but I'm really excited to bring this back um, and talk a little bit about what they're doing. Uh, Kennedy Krieger Institute is just incredible and one of the best just overall resources, I think, in the country, especially as it relates to autism. Hope you guys have a fabulous week. As always, more info at autismtherapies.com with your questions, comments, uh, all of that good stuff. Enjoy yourselves. Enjoy the last days of summer and have a good return to school. I'll talk to you guys next week. Bye-bye. We hope you've had some questions about autism answered this week. Autism Spectrum Radio can be heard live every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Please join us for another edition next week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.